series of videos, we are going through the material called Know Your Bible Better, which you can download at the website ncmi.net for free. This is the third video in the series where we'll be looking at discovering the central message of the Bible found on page 13 of the book, Know Your Bible Better. Now in the first two videos, the first thing we looked at was how the Bible transforms you. And the second thing we looked at is why it is important to pay attention to scripture and why having some basic tools to do that is important. In this video, we'll be looking at what the central message of the Bible is as we begin to explore the basic tools that help us get more out of the Bible and help the Bible to transform us. So the Bible is actually made up of 66 different books written by different authors and at vastly different times. Now in this section, we might go through a few things that are a bit technical. They aren't difficult. They are just a few tools for you to know that will help you place each book and each verse that you read in its context. So understand that Genesis is dated at 1445 to 1405 BC. And the historical books of the Old Testament take us to Israel's story from about 1400 to 400 BC. And the last book of the New Testament is dated at 94 to 96 AD. So as you can see, the Bible is a book that spans thousands of years, but also spans several different kinds of genre. Now, why is this important? It's important to know this so that you can understand that when you're reading the scriptures, it is written over generations. It is a collection mostly of stories of how God has worked with people in the past, how he has spoken to them, how he's worked in their lives, how he's worked through their lives into the world, and ultimately what all this means and what all this, how this all relates to the coming of Jesus Christ and his gospel, and what all that means for mankind. So not only does it span generations, but it also, the Bible uses different kinds of genres. So it contains poetry and song in the Psalms. And it has traditional Hebrew wisdom literature, which is a kind of genre of its own in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job. And by the way, Job is the oldest book of the Bible. Soul of Psalms we see in the Old Testament is an interesting mix of love poetry and wisdom literature. And in the New Testament, we have the historical accounts of Jesus' life and teachings, which are also a unique genre of their own. We have the historical account of the church in the book of Acts. We have Paul's letters and Peter's letters and John's letters. And then we have what we call apocalyptic literature, which is also another unique genre of its time. And we find this in the book of Revelation. So with all of this, understanding all the generations the Bible was, uh, has been written in and understanding all its genre, it's interesting that the Bible still has one consistent message, but just told in different ways. So knowing what that simple message is will give you the principal key to unlocking the Bible. So what is the simple message? Well, it's this. The Bible tells us who God is and how we can know him. Again, I'll say it. The Bible tells us who God is and how it is that we can know him. Or we can put it in another way. It's the one word of the one God about the one way of salvation. That's a, a definition given by Matthias Media in their material, Six Steps to Reading the Bible. So this one word or one message, however, is told in many, many different ways. And the point for you as you approach the scriptures and study them and read them and try and get to know them is to find out how this message is being told in that particular book. 
So we might know that Jesus is the only way to salvation, but simply knowing it as a fact is not helpful. It's, well, it is helpful, but it's not enough. Especially when life gets tough, when we suffer loss, when we're faced with skepticism, when we, um, when we are facing relationship breakdown, when we're facing all sorts of hardship, or when t- doubt comes, or temptation strikes. Or even when life is good and things we kind of kind of coasting through life, enjoying prosperity, nothing coming against us, enjoying our relationships, even then there is a bigger danger. Because in these times, good or bad, we can lose faith in God. We might give up, believe he doesn't love us, or we believe we don't need him uh, as we are secure. But what we find is that the Bible is a living word that gives us faith. It is a book. God's scripture working through it, like Romans says, Romans 10 says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. As God's word is preached and proclaimed to you, and as you read God's word and come to grips with it, you receive faith. And this faith that God gives us transforms us into people of love and gives us his revelation to live out into this world. So it's not enough to know facts. Our faith and our theology and our worldview and our philosophy of life must be livable. There are many philosophies out there that are brilliant in terms of how intelligent they are. And they're so logical, but they're not livable. There are many theologies the same. We can get stuck in the intricacies of theology and yet find that it has no bearing on our lives. But the Bible rather shows us a theology that is livable. And ultimately does this by showing us how God, who God is and how we relate to him. And it actually shows us this mostly through stories, showing how God has worked through others. So he has a few things that's good to know. Number one, how the Bible is broken down. So yes, how the Bible is broken down is a table that you can find on page 16 of the book, Know Your Bible Better. And this table shows us the basic way you can see the Old Testament and the New Testament are broken down and how these correlate with each other. So the Old Testament, we have the law books, we have the historical books, we have the wisdom books, and we have the prophetic books. In the New Testament, we have the Gospels, we have the Book of Acts, we have the letters, and we have the Book of Revelation. Now, why is this breakdown important? Well, as soon as you understand where each of these books basically fits in, when you read those books, when you read those letters in the New Testament, for example, or the wisdom books in the Old Testament, you know how you should read them. You know, you don't read poetry as a historical account, or you don't read a science textbook as poetry. So understanding genre and the reason something is written is very, very important. So the first section of this table we see is that Testament's foundational section. So in the Old Testament, we have the more books in the Old Testament, which is Genesis to Deuteronomy, basically. And these tell us how God picked out Israel from the fallen nations of the world and made a covenant with them. The law, which is the Hebrew word Torah, outlines the essential elements of that covenant through both the, the uh, abstract things it says and through the story. Likewise, the New Testament's four Gospels, Matthew to John, are the foundation of the New Testament and record the life and teachings of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. So ultimately, the whole Bible actually hangs on the revelations of Jesus as he is ultimately the revelation of the whole Bible. The point of all the stories is ultimately to show that Jesus is come, 
has come. He's our salvation. He's our righteousness. And in him, we find God and become human beings, basically. Again, God restores his image in us. So since the Bible is the one word about the one God and the one message of salvation, we find that Jesus is the word. Jesus is that method of salvation, the Son of God, the perfect representation of the Father. If you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. So how the Bible is broken down, the next section on the table there is each testament's history. So all the historical books in the Old Testament showcase how God kept his covenant with Israel, even while Israel kept failing at their side. So likewise, then you find the book of Acts is the church's history document showing how Jesus kept his promise by sending his Holy Spirit and how his people, the church, began to work with that promise and impact the world because of his gospel and his spirit. Very different, the church, while has failures, still largely succeeds because of the giving of the Holy Spirit, whereas the law could not give that life. Number C, or number three, on the table there, we find the wisdom books and the letters. In the Old Testament, the books of Job to Song of Songs are called the wisdom books. These are often quite devotional in nature and present guidance to God's people on how to deal with the problems of the world. And in the same way, each of the New Testament letters, the letters from Paul, Peter, and John, James, can provide guidance to the problems and questions that we encounter in the world. But there is a difference between the two. The difference is this, that the Old Testament wisdom books are mainly man's wisdom. Whereas the New Testament books are mainly based on God's wisdom in the gospel and the gift of Jesus. It's an important thing to understand that. Like when we read the book of Proverbs, sometimes we may say, I did this. I did what Proverbs says to us. We must do, but I did not find the outcome that Proverbs promises. Well, it's because Proverbs is not a book which is full of guarantees, but it is full of book of general wisdom. And if you generally do A, generally B will happen, but sometimes it doesn't. What do you do when it doesn't? Well, God then gave the book of Job to, um, to in the Old Testament, which kind of works through when things don't. And what we find in the book of Job is that ultimately what matters is trust and faith in God. And the New Testament outlines and begins to unpack that, co that concept um, in the gospel and the gift of Jesus. And then we find the prophetic books in the table. There in the Old Testament, the books of Isaiah to Zedekiah record what God said to his people through his prophets. And when people think prophecy is only about telling the future, which isn't necessarily, necessarily wrong, we find that the main point actually of prophecy is what God is saying to us now through it in the year and now. In the New Testament, there's only one primary prophetic book. We find some prophecies scattered through the letters and so on and so forth. But there's only one primarily prophetic book in the New Testament, and that is the book of Revelation. So we are likewise not treated as a book telling us about the future, but a book telling us how to live in the now. So we'll get into that in a, in a bit more. But why this breakdown is important is it helps us to quickly place each book in its broader context and then in the specific context that that book was written in. So this is important. It's important to place each book in its context because then you will not mistake the mistake, for example, of interpreting the book of Revelation literally 
when it should be to reinterpret it allegorically. The book of Revelation uses picture language. For example, if you read Revelation 13 verse 1, it says, And I saw a beast rising out of the sea, with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns, and blasphemous names on its heads. So when you read this verse, what questions can you ask yourself? Will one day a real, literal beast rise up from the sea with ten horns and seven heads, diadems and crowns, and a whole lot of names? Or was John, when he was seeing this vision, was it like a vision of the movie Godzilla or something? Or is there a deeper, more allegorical or metaphorical meaning behind this passage? So if you understand the book of Revelation is a book with, uh, that is in the genre of apocalyptic literature, and so use speech language to make a point, you will understand that there is more than just some literal beast rising out of the sea in the scripture. And you will ask the question, what does this mean to mean for the year and now? Don't get distracted. There's something with the book of Revelation. It tries to unpack the code that it is supposedly presenting. Rather, it is a book that is supposed to encourage us in the year now, understand persecution will come against us, hard times will come. How did the original people that heard that book respond? What was the book there to achieve for them? It achieves the same thing for us, and that's to get us through persecution, hard times, and when things are coming against us, and so on and so forth. Now, I don't want to get too much into that, but we want to talk about, therefore, that what the goal of interpretation is. So, listen to this. What was the original author communicating to the original readers and how is that applicable to today? As we read the scriptures, as you read the scripture, as you read a difficult scripture, as you read a difficult book like the book of Revelation, you ask yourself this question, I'll say it again. What was the original author communicating to the original readers? And how is that applicable today? We call this the author intended meaning. However, most of us are inclined to look for a reader response meaning. Which is, in other words, is when we read the work as if it was addressed directly to us. It's an important distinction to remember that Kevin Gary Smith in his book, A Practical Guide to Studying God's Word, says, The books of the Bible were written for us, but not to us. They were written for us, but not to us. Each passage you read, has one meaning to its original years, but it will have several different applications for today. So when they read it, they understood its meaning. But the applications change over time depending on the context that you find yourself in when you read what was given to them. So you must understand the context. These are two keys. Number one, understand the context. Who were the original years? What did the writer originally mean when he wrote that to them. And number two, what is the application for today? So you can hear a lot about context and understand that each passage you read has a context within the passage even that you must attend to. If you read a verse, there is a context to that verse. There's, there's uh, verses before it, verses afterwards. There's the chapter it's in, there's the book it's in, and so on and so forth. So to help me with this, there's a diagram on page 21 of the material we're going through. And uh, this diagram kind of gives you an understanding of the larger context you have to look. You have the verse that you're reading, and you must come to grips with the context of that verse in the passage. 
Then you have the context of that passage in the chapter or section that you're reading. Then the context of the book that you're reading. Then the context of that book in the Old or the New Testament. Or, and then with all of that, we're asking the question, what is the message of the whole Bible? So all these contexts fit into each other. So you can't come up with an idea and just try and find biblical support for it. This is the word eisegesis. And that leads to false theology and false application. Now, what would be the point of that? What would be the point of having an idea and finding the Bible to support that idea? That would lead to no change. That would lead to just your idea, once again, living and existing. Good idea or bad idea, but it leads to no change, no transformation. There's no point to that. But instead, we have to let the Bible tell us what it is actually saying. We call this exegesis. Rather than reading into the passage your meaning and ideas, you read out of the passage its meaning and its ideas. And this leads to um, us living according to the truth of God's word and therefore transformation. So here's a couple of tools that can help you through this process. There is such a thing as the plain meaning of scripture and we are trying to uncover it. Many times try and understand our own perceptions, our own prejudices, and work through those and get those out of the way so we can get to the true meaning of what it is that God is saying to us through scriptures. So a couple of things that help you. A, get yourself a good study Bible. Now before you do all this stuff, try and grapple with the scriptures yourself and speak to the Holy Spirit and let him talk to you. Once you've also done that, you kind of reach the limit, get yourself a good study Bible. Often these come with a brief introduction to each letter, read these, give you some context, some things that you can work with. B, use Bible commentaries. There are many free ones now available online. Websites like BibleHub.com or BibleGateway.com give you a collection of different commentaries. C, ask a leader. Remember, we work this out in our community, in our local church. God has given us the church to work this in and through with. And D, do lots of reading. Especially of books that like to talk about the Bible, such as Michael Eaton's Preaching Through the Bible series. That's one we recommend. So now we're going to do an exercise that you find in page 23 of this material. And in this exercise, we're going to just briefly look at the context of three scriptures that society and people generally love to quote for all sorts of reasons. And when you read these scriptures, these verses, I want to ask you to think two things. A. How do you think about this verse, just as you read this verse before you look at the context, and B, how others have used this verse. For example, the first one, judge not that you be not judged. Matthew 7 verse 1. People use this all the time for various and many different reasons. But now go to Matthew 7 and look at the context. Look at the verses before, the verses after the chapter. Understand the book, that this is a teaching of Jesus. Look at what Jesus was saying about these words in its context and see if how you thought about this verse and how others have used this verse is actually the right application of this verse. Number two, another scripture you can do the same thing with. Philippians 4 verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. People quote this all the time. They run a race in the athletics and they win the race. They say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Go to Philippians 4, read the context it's in, and come to grips with how you thought about this verse before and how others have used this verse and decide if the application that you've used or others have used is correct. The third one is God is love. 
John 4 verse 16, people love to quote this to validate all sorts of things, in fact. Once again, go to the context of the verse and see if people, or even you yourself, are applying that verse correctly. Look at the immediate for the context of these verses and write down your thoughts, apart from any preconceived notions of how you or others have used or even been taught these scriptures. Find out for yourself what these scriptures mean, what a good application of these scriptures are. Write down how your mind has changed, and if there's any other examples you can think of, go ahead and do the same exercise.